My father was an abusive man. He treated us all badly. But he had a real penchant for, for treating my mother badly. Um, I watched him abuse her emotionally, spiritually, from the time when I was a baby all the way up until I was 18 and I left home. And from a very early age, I made a decision to be better than him. I made a decision to be the exact opposite of him. I did not want to be him. And then I got a little bit older. Uh, I met a girl in Chicago and, and uh, we moved in together. I was going to graduate school and I, I started to feel insecure about my teaching and my writing. We began to quarrel and before I knew it, I was treating her badly. Her name was Amy. I, I hurt her, I, I abused her. It was emotional abuse. I was difficult to live with. I, I told her I w wanted her to leave and so she left and, and after she left, I tried to get her back and she wouldn't come back. It made me crazy that she wouldn't come back, but it was obviously the right thing to do. It slowly dawned on me that I behaved exactly in the way that I had sworn I never would. I was, I was my father. I had my father inside me. And when this dawned on me, I didn't know what to do with it. So it was the middle of winter, um, and I just got in the habit of getting into my car and driving to the far side of the university to an empty parking lot, and I sat there in the dark. And I just, I, I screamed, I, I wailed in the car with the windows rolled up and I pounded on the dash. And I screamed until my, my throat was raw. I did that every night for a month. It was my worst nightmare to realize that I had become my father, that I was no better than him. Whatever he had inside him, I had inside me too. I know now that I, I will always have a part of me that, that comes from my father, and I, I can't get rid of it, but I can certainly manage it and, and be aware of it and make better choices. As I get a little older, I get up in the morning and I, I go into the bathroom and I look in the mirror and I feel like the older I get, the more I see my, my father's face in the mirror. I see his face more, more than I see my face. I think it's always been this way. As I age, I just, I see him there and I see my mother there too. I see her victimhood and I see her self-pity and I see the way she feels sorry for herself all the time. Whether I like it or not, I am them. After years of therapy, I own that now. I know that that's true. It's true for all of us. Whether you're ready to accept it or not, that's really up to you. On today's show, a man named Adam realizes the ways in which he is like his mother and unfortunately like his father too. Also, if you are a fan of the game Rock Band, you're not gonna wanna miss this episode. Welcome to Heavily Pixelated. Heavily Pixelated is a show that attempts to describe all the positive things that games do for us. I'm Scott C. Jones. Gaming has always been a big part of my life. This is Adam Leonard. Adam lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, growing up, there was always a console 
in the house. Dating back to even when I was in my infancy, there are stories of my mom letting me cry in my crib after I wake up from a nap because she was on a hot score on Pac-Man for the Atari 2600. Dad left when I was about eight and he moved back. He was from Wisconsin, so he moved back to Wisconsin and it was just mom and the three of us boys. And we'd see him once, twice a year, every once in a while, birthday, and then usually Christmas. Mm -hmm. I remember him leaving. I certainly remember dad taking his stuff and walking out the door mm -hmm. and everybody crying. As a young kid, you're always kind of wondering if he'll come back. So that's always in the back of your head, which isn't super healthy or reasonable. Dad was always, I don't want, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but I don't think he really knew who we were. He, he didn't have the capacity to reach out and try to make those connections after he was gone. He was very much an uh, emotionally stunted person. It wasn't the same as with mom. Mom would play with us. As we got older, she'd play more and more with us and even play things on her own, which was kind of cool. Like we always joke, my mom became a huge Tomb Raider fan <laughs> in the 90s, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And she was saying just the other day, she's like, I think I'm going to turn Tomb Raider back on. And mom's like, mom's in her late 60s now. So it's like, <laughs> it's just pretty funny. I grew up with two brothers, David and John, and we would play. We would play games. That's how we bonded. That's how we were as brothers, playing Mario Kart or GoldenEye. John, my mega dad's brother, growing up, we were best friends as teenagers. You know, we, we liked the same things. We were of that right age. We liked comics and movies and games, and we just liked the same stuff. And we bonded in a way that brothers do, but then kind of grow out of it as you get older. But we've like come back to that. My family, we, we've always had creative kind of dormancy in our family. My mom is a painter. My grandfather actually was the designer at a big department store in Minneapolis. So he would set the holiday displays and like he was in charge of all that stuff. So everybody's always kind of had this, you know, creativity in our family. But for me, it started to unlock through video games for some reason. And so then I would start drawing or I would start playing music that I was hearing. I began to appreciate games on a different level than I had before. Some people work on cars or, you know, work in the garage on tools. And for me, it's, it's creating art and it's playing games. Mom never remarried. That was a, a relationship that in my eyes just didn't work. And it didn't work because of dad. I mean, I'm sure there are dynamics at play that I wasn't privy to, but for, for me, it was dad. Dad walked out, dad screwed up. I'm not gonna do that. I met my first wife when I was 17. And I was on a tear to establish myself as a person. A lot of that had to do with, with dad and the bad experience with dad and, and having that icon of this is not who I'm not going to be. What Adam is saying here seems really insightful to me. I think in many ways when you're growing up and even as adults, our lives are responses to the lives that our parents built for themselves and their responses to the mistakes our parents might have made. I'm trailblazing to establish who I am and I'm going to be a man and I'm going to be a better man. I got a job. I actually left high school before graduating, which was a bad idea. I'm gonna work full time yeah. and I'm gonna get my own place and I'm gonna start a life and I'm gonna make it a good one. First job was Walgreens, which was working stocking shelves, working photo lab. It was money. 
and it was I got my first car and then eventually I got my first girlfriend and at 18 I said I'm out of here and I moved out of my mom my mom's house got my own place and it was just like I, I felt like I was I had the wind at my back and yeah Walgreens is like a crummy job but I got promoted and I was an assistant manager at a pretty young age doing photo lab yeah. one hour photo hey What's wrong with that? how many kids today can say they do one hour photo <laughs> I felt like I was I was going so fast towards a goal that maybe I wasn't paying attention to the steps I was taking to get there. It, dropping out of high school is a key example of that. I'm gonna get a job and make something of myself. Okay, well now I don't have any sort of credentials or diploma. I'm not gonna get anywhere without without that. And part of that was my first marriage. It's like you were like on a fast, you had like the fast forward button pressed. So yeah. I gotta get a job, I get a car, I'm gonna declare my independence and I'm gonna get married to Yep. And I was and I was happy. I think just eventually there came a time where I settled into the thing that I was going after mm -hmm. and then it was time to pause and look around and then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, I don't know if this is actually what I wanted. I, I ran so fast to get here that I didn't realize that there were other choices in life perhaps better choices in life. It wasn't that life was bad. It was just that I was realizing that I made some, some choices that I wouldn't have made if I could actually go back and do it over again. Mm -hmm. And part of that was the relationship I was in. Like many relationships early in life, Adam and his first wife, Jody didn't necessarily understand one another. When I would game or when I would draw or create which was something that was very important to me, she would just not be there. She didn't stop me, but she didn't go with me. Right. And it wasn't important to her. Mm -hmm. So when I would do things that were really important to me, it was very obvious that they weren't important to her. Adam's got a real dilemma now. He can either stay with this woman who he doesn't have a real connection with, or he can do exactly what his dad did. I made the decision to leave, to leave my wife which was a very difficult thing to do for me because I come from a broken home. Breaking that kind of commitment was always something that I had sworn that I would never do, and here I found myself doing it. I felt dirty. I felt like a terrible, terrible person, even though it was what I knew was right for me. There was a lot of guilt in that decision, and that threw me into a lot of depression. There was nothing stopping me from staying in that marriage. There was nothing stopping me from continuing down that path because it would have been quote unquote fine. But I knew for me to be the, for me to be happy and for me to be the person that I wanted to be, I had to be a real asshole. And that was exactly what I did. I'm glad you did though. I'm glad you had the guts to get out of it. Because mm -hmm. there are people who would have stayed in it and they would have just given up on themselves. At least you stopped it. It only would have gotten worse and more complicated and there would have been more ties and... You would have died young. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I just... It, the, the hardest thing was just like... I mean, there was a lot of hard things, but it was... If I don't, if I don't get out now, yeah. I know I'm going to at some point because this is not who I want to be. And what am I going to do? Have kids? Mm -hmm. 
with this person, have have ten years with this person, and then like it was it was gonna be unfair and hard no matter what. Yeah. I just finally had to do it. There was never regret. There was never any second guessing it. There was never any regret. It was just I don't like the person I am right now, yeah. and I don't like the fact that I just upended a lot of people's lives. Yeah, I found myself moving in with my brother John. He was married and expecting a child, and therefore that came with a lot more guilt because I found myself inserting myself into a life that he was trying to start. I felt guilty. When I moved in with John, he he had a fresh new Xbox 360, and he we're, we're both you know massively into gaming, but gaming was not on my mind at the time. I would sit and watch him play, and then eventually the controller would drift my way. We've always been a couch co-op kind of family, so it was kind of like the days of playing Mario Kart on the couch again, except the fact that I was super depressed. <laughs> but he would make that effort. The olive branch was an Xbox controller, so. What a good dude. Yeah. Yeah, not pushing you too much, just saying it's here. You come out, you like you brought guy out of the room. The things that I actually found enjoyment or healing from were things that I could do by myself, whether that's, I had a guitar that I played very poorly, but I would play it and I would write bad songs. <laughs> and, but I would do that for myself to, to express something that I didn't want to say in words. Or I would draw because that's something that I could do for myself. It was something I was good at. I not only did not feel good about myself, but I kind of didn't want to feel good about myself for a while. I would say you were actively disliking yourself yeah, a lot. You like, were punishing yourself. I felt like it was kind of my responsibility to be a dirtbag for a while. Not actively hating myself, but just recognizing that I did a shit thing. I'm gonna sit in this for a while. I'm gonna sit in this shit for a while <laughs> until somebody acknowledges it's okay to come out. I had been gone from Walgreens for about five years and I had completely changed directions in career. <laughs> and I was now working in a daycare. So I was a teacher of, I was doing like after school care, which is where I met Christy. <laughs> there are times in our lives when we think we can't take it anymore. And then suddenly the clouds part. We get our first glimmer of sunshine and we start to feel like maybe everything is, is going to be okay. It wasn't until Christy came into the picture that I felt like I was healing, like I was actually getting better. The divorce was finalized. I found myself with a new, a new girlfriend. I was working there, working with kids, which was way more fun. It was just something I needed in my life. I love kids. Yeah. I've always loved working with kids. I, I love having kids now. Kids are like the best people to me. <laughs> they don't have any baggage or any any grief or, or garbage. They just have little people problems which are easy to solve in five to 10 minutes. And I was getting a lot of happiness there. I would be sad at home and I'd go to work and have and be surrounded by happy little people. Kids are scary with their intuition. Mm -hmm. I can remember being at work and stealing away to to my desk where the kids aren't playing and and crying and them just picking up on something is wrong i mean obviously i'm crying but like they would no no words no questions just come and hug you and then hey you want to come color with me or whatever they they'd make me feel better yeah. they knew you know what it took to 
to get a smile back on my face again. So Adam's divorced. He's living at John's. He's met Christy at work. And Adam and Christy have what all great couples seem to have. They seem to be tethered together somehow. There was always a connection and there was always an attraction. And I felt... I felt like when I would go to work there at the daycare, I would turn into somebody a little happier. It would be like we'd look at each other at work and just smile and just be happy. And it might not have clicked that, that we should be dating, but like we were just happy together. It was just, let's be together and this is working out really well and we're both really happy with what this is. And th- that was that for a long time until it got to be a point where we were clearly in love with each other. And now I want to introduce her to my family. Mm-hmm. And how do I do that? <laughs> it was so like different to have somebody not just like you, but be interested in who you are. Be interested in the person that you're not necessarily showing everybody. She knew there was something more and she would ask those questions and she would tell me that she was interested and she wanted to know more and that was wild like that was totally new Christy like wanted to know more and I wanted to know more about her that curiosity meant I wanted her around more and more and I'm still living with John so I had to figure out a way to get her over that wall and I knew it was going to be weird for people she would come over to John's house and we'd watch TV or something, but it always felt a little strange. Like it was like an obvious transition from one thing to the next. It was hard for me and and hard for her to be brought into the family. It's hard to take that first step, but it came at a time when a new game came out called Rock Band, which is a four player experience. And we had four people. We had myself, we had Christy, John, and Christina. Everybody had a part in this band. Perfect. Perfect. The rock band helped facilitate not only bringing Christy into our family, which is you know, something that I wanted more than anything to, you know, to start fresh with this person who made me feel alive again, feel like maybe there was somewhere that I could go. rock band you know it helped it helped because it, it, you know it's a game of, of teamwork it wasn't just something we could play together but like the, the very foundation of rock band is that you are leaning on your bandmates you're boosting them up and playing in sync rock band parties became the norm at john's house christy would come over we'd set up the instruments and we would play for hours and just laugh and get better and get closer through these songs Rock band kind of allows for people of varying degrees of experience with video games to enjoy the same thing at the same time, which not a lot of... I mean, if you play Mario Kart with somebody, they're either going to be good or bad, and you can turn it down to easy, and then it's easy for everybody, or you can turn it up to hard and punish the people that aren't good at it. But Rock Band allowed for everybody to dive in at their own level, which was awesome. That was like the perfect gateway game for Christy to kind of get into our little click. We would play mm-hmm. and get really into it, and then the hours would would bleed by because you just keep playing and keep playing. We don't have kids yet, so you know we're young. We can play and stay up late. 
We would call them our rock band parties, which is a party of just four people. But those were our rock band parties. We would get we would get snacks, we would get drinks, and um, we would just turn the volume up as loud as it can go, and and we would play. Christy was not only kind of hesitant and apprehensive about this whole working in with a family dynamic, but she wasn't a gamer either. So at first she wasn't sure of how this was all going to pan out from top to bottom. Rock Band is such an accommodating experience that she ended up loving the game just as much as we did. We'd start with creating our band. In the game, you create not only your character, but you create your band. So we all had our personas. I think something kind of cool about that moment when I look back on it is here I am trying to reestablish who I am as a person, my identity and, and my path. And in this game, I can create a little avatar of what a badass version of Adam looks like. So, so I've got the tattoos and I've got the shades and it's, it's a small thing, but at the same time, it's like, this is who I'm gonna be tonight. You can recreate yourself, you can reinvent yourself at a, at a time when you really still thought of yourself probably as not, a, not the greatest person in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, instead you made this sort of Oh, you know, sort of B-side version of Yep, and it's funny that you say that because our band was called B-Squad. So we all had these characters that we could just turn into. And the great thing about Rock Band is you're living the song that you're playing, and we would just have so much fun playing these songs, and some of them were fast rock songs that kind of got us energized, and some were slow ballads. The thing about Rock Band is that it only works when you're working together. It's a game about communication without talking. So when you see if your guitar player is not hitting the notes and his meter is getting red and you're about to fail out, you know that your bass player is gonna deploy their star power and save you. We were able to kind of find a rhythm and in this instrumental part, we would just be playing and nobody's talking, nobody's singing, we're all just in this this rhythm that was kind of hypnotic. B-Squad's favorite song by far was Deep Purple's Highway Star. And we would play that song every single time we'd play. And that solo part, we would all just grin ear to ear because we knew we, that we got better at it and we got better at it so we wouldn't fail out and we wouldn't need to save each other. And we would just go for the high score. And that solo part, I mean, still to this day, if I hear that song on the radio, it takes me back 10 years to sitting in John's living room playing rock band. So I began to feel like I was a part of something again. They were growing closer through this game that became such a staple in our lives. And we went full out, man. This is John, Adam's brother and the host of the Rock Band Parties. When we had Rock Band Parties, we had strobe lights. We had, we bought the Rock Band fog really? machine. Holy oh, crap. Yeah. It was an official Rock Band branded fog machine. It was like a stage kit that they sold. Yep. So you had the flashing lights and the fog rolling through the room. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was usually a little uh, liquid courage that we would use to kind of get the party rolling. I understand. We would, we would jam pretty hard into the wee hours of the morning. I, I will always look fondly on rock band in the music genre and, and associate it with that time in my life when I was newly married and I was starting my family and Adam was going through this and, and kind of rebuilding his life.
rock band became such a therapy. This is Adam again. And music, like I was learning new music and I even bought myself a guitar and taught myself to play and taught myself to write music. It all just kind of culminated in this, in this therapy for my soul. I began to feel better in all aspects of my life and I, I began to see a way forward. And these rock band parties, which became such a staple at John's house, carried forward even after I began to pull things together. I moved out and got my own place. We would still get together to rock, whether it's at John's house or, or at Christian and my new place. And it became kind of symbolic of our friendship because Christy and I and John and his wife, we became kind of best friends over this period. We really did bridge those two parts of my life of just not knowing who I was and who I wanted to be into the life that I have now. Christy and I have been married. We have two children now. John has two children. We're parents. We have families. John and I run a, a podcast and a website that's all about families and gaming. It's called Mega Dads. Welcome, everybody, to Mega Dads Live, episode 54 for September 2018. I think all of that just kind of stemmed from this moment, this year in my life, where I went from my lowest low to the building blocks of my life now, which is perfect. I wouldn't change a thing, and Rock Band was at the center of that. Hi, Helen. Hey, Adam. This is Helen McWilliams, a game designer and producer at Harmonix Music Systems in Boston, Massachusetts. I was living with my brother. I had recently been divorced. Rock Band came out, and Rock Band came out in a time when I had, I had met my new girlfriend, who is re, who's now my wife. It was kind of an outlet to bring her into the family. It was a way that we connected. Um, we had three people. We had a drummer and a guitarist and a vocalist, and Christy was looking for a way to connect with the family, and there was that open spot in the band, and she became our bass player. Well, I love this. I'm super happy to hear this story, and interestingly, um, I also met my partner through rock bands. I was in um, a different relationship that was not the right one. Someone had forwarded me an, an, a comment from the rock band forum that was like, oh, this kid wants you to go to this birthday party he's having. I was like, well, I'm not going to some kid's birthday party. <laughs> Helen is using the word kid colloquially. He wasn't a kid at all. He was a grown man. I was going on tour with my band. I was like, I'm playing in his hometown. I'll just like stop by and give him a rock band guitar. And um, so I did. And that person is now my husband. Do you hear stories like yeah. this all the time? Like the one that happened to you and the one that happened to Adam? There, there are a fair amount. I mean, we, I... I used to write the, when we used to do like messages a day for rock band, I used to write that. And we did do like a fair amount of proposals. I can never hear enough of these kinds of stories, but it's certainly like, it means a lot to us. Um, we really built the game around the idea of like people getting to play together locally, being able to kind of have the joy that you get from making music without um, having to be able to make music. So I really do think like playing music with people tells you a lot about them. It's a really intimate way to connect with somebody when you're kind of getting into a routine of, of playing all the time. There's something about it, harmonizing and like like 
playing different instruments together to make something beautiful. Yeah, definitely brings people together and that, that makes us super psyched. That's like what we're trying to do. You know, we want people to have good feelings and we want them to experience joy. Are you saying that playing rock band is therapeutic? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't replace therapy, but it's, I would say it's therapeutic. What about the future of Rock Band? Is, is, I mean, do you think this will ever come around again? Well, you know, we're still going. I worked on the Rock Band Rivals expansion stuff only a couple years ago, and we're still working on Rock Band, um, like, assets and features. I'm actually, like, this weekend I've been writing some text for some assets that are going to be coming out over the course of the year. So, like, we're still, we're still chugging on it. Um, you never know. And certainly, like, we have some things that we're working on that if you like rock band, you will be very psyched. Adam, I'm so psyched to talk to you. It really warms my heart. I'm, like, snuggling my three-year-old. They're playing Captain Toad Treasure Tracker downstairs right now. <laughs> it's all warm rock band-related family feelings today. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if Harmonix's next endeavor is to, like, have some sort of babysitter network so that I could play rock band again... I think that would be a. I think that would be a great add-on to the game. Seriously, like enough of us like have kids at this point, including myself, that we do think about it a lot. Like there, you'll see a lot. There's a lot of asynchronous multiplayer features. There you go. Okay. Thank you guys so much for connecting. This is a blast. That's it for today's episode. Special thanks to Helen McWilliams at Harmonix. Of course, I call Harmonix, and who answers? Helen. It's still Helen. Of course, it's Helen. You can find out more about Adam by going to his website, megadads.org. And you can follow him on Twitter to stay in touch with all of his art and music. It's at the art of Adam L. And you know the song we're listening to right now? That's Adam. He wrote this song. It's called Remember Me, and that's his voice. Adam, you've got a beautiful voice, my friend. Stephen Nikolic is the technical producer. Today's episode was produced by Sarah Deacons. Music tracks in today's episode are provided by the Free Music Archive, freemusicarchive.org. Tracks include Children of Lemuel by the Blue Dot Sessions and Song for the New Year by Lee Rosevere. Special thanks also to all the good people at Game Informer magazine in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They wrote a terrific story about Heavily Pixelated in issue number 306. Our podcast is still small, so we're incredibly grateful for the help. And thanks also to Matt Burtz from Game Informer, who fed me and clothed me and housed me when I was in Minneapolis to interview Adam. And thanks also to his wife, Claire, and his daughter, Ada. Special thanks to two more people who bought heavily pixelated t-shirts and took photographs of themselves and posted them to Twitter. Eric at Completely Frank on Twitter and Blair Farrell at Blarcade, B-L-A-R-C-A-D-E. Thank you both. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, I'm Scott Jones from Heavily Pixelated. I'll see you next time. Don't you ever be afraid. I'll stand beside you all the way I will never let you fall